This is Distinct Nostalgia by MIM. Brought to you in partnership with Life Rooms and Mersey Care NHS Foundation Trust. Staying well, staying home. And now we're taking you back more than 60 years to hear about one of the legends of children's television. Yes, we're tracing the very early years of the adventure series Lassie. Starting in 1954, the series produced by CBS in America enchanted kids the world over. Lassie always had a friend, and one of the Collie's longest-serving friends, John Provost, who played Timmy Martin in the series from 1957 to 1964, has been catching up with MIM's Ashley Byrne. Enjoy! Were you not the... The, the the boy that was with Lassie the most of all the, of all the ones that were with him. Uh, yes, Tommy Reddick. He played Jeff Miller, and he did the show for three years, from uh, nineteen fifty four to fifty seven. And I did the show for seven years, uh, and we were the only um, uh, the only boys um, in Lassie. Uh, after I left the series, uh, Lassie was with a forest ranger, and then Lassie. Uh, actually by himself and in cartoons. But uh, yeah, I was the, the longest running and only Timmy. Fantastic, fantastic. Do you remember Lassie before you got the part? Because of course Lassie was around for a few years beforehand. Had you watched Lassie? Had you seen Lassie? Oh, sure. Um, I had only been in movies um, before Lassie. And I used to watch uh Lassie every Sunday night, uh, just like everybody else, and never thinking that uh, I would be in that position at one time. What was it that was special about the early Lassies, the ones that you remember watch it, watching as a, a very small boy? What was it that sort of kept you uh, enthralled, as it were? Well, you know, it was just the wholesomeness of the series. Um, everybody, I think, could watch that show and uh, think that they were on that farm, and that was their dog. And it was just a way to, uh, I think, to escape. Um, you know, I grew up in Southern California, um, not in the big city, but uh, city life. And uh, it was just uh, nice to watch shows like that. And, you know, not just Lassie, but uh, most of the shows of that era um, had that kind of feeling that... Uh, um, wholesome, you know, family feeling. So how did you actually get the role then? Take us back to how all that began. How did a, a little boy of, were you eight, I think, at the time? How did you land this role in this <laughs> such a huge series? Okay. Um, I started Lassie when I was seven. Um, at the time, uh, the producers was were looking for another boy to take over Tommy's role because Tommy had outgrown the part. And the story goes that uh, the producer's wife of Lassie was having lunch with the producer's wife of a movie that I was doing for RKO um, in Japan. And this was 1956. It was the first movie filmed in Japan after the war. And as I mentioned, it was for RKO. And at that time, um, Howard Hughes still owned RKO. So the women were having lunch, and it came up. They were looking for a kid. They couldn't find the kid. And... Uh, uh, the producer's wife of uh, Escapade in Japan said, well, describe what you're looking for. And they did and said, well, sounds like the boy that you're looking for is filming a movie in Japan right now. And so when I came back from Japan, I met with the producers and directors 
And they knew I could act because they had seen movies that I'd been in. Uh, but they wanted to know how I got along with big dogs. And I was a little boy, and Lassie was a pretty big dog. But I had always been raised around animals. Um, at the time, we had uh, a horse and a goat and dogs and cats and the whole thing. So uh, it was really natural for me. But they wanted to make sure because you couldn't fake that bond, that uh, chemistry between the boy and the dog. So I went as a seven-year-old child and lived with Lassie for about three or four days. Um, Red Weatherwax, the owner of Lassie, had a 60-acre ranch about an hour outside of Los Angeles. So I went and stayed there for uh, a few days and then came back. And I always like to say that uh, I got the job because I got two paws up from Lassie. <laughs> very good, very good. Just, just, just wind the clock back just a second uh, before we go on, carry on about Lassie. You were, you, you'd got, you'd got something of a, a, a big film career before Lassie, as you say. You, you were on this film in Japan, which was a, the first of its kind. And all this. How, when did you start acting? How old were you when you actually first started acting? Well, I hope you're sitting down. Uh, <laughs> I started my first movie. I was not quite three years old. Now, my, my parents weren't Hollywood people. Uh, my father was from Alabama. My mom was from Texas. But they met in Hollywood in the, uh, 1940 and got married. My mom's idol growing up was Jane Wyman, the actress. And she read an ad in the L.A. Times that Warner Brothers was looking for a two- to three-year-old blonde boy to be in this movie with Jane Wyman. And my mom got it in her head that if she took me she was going to meet Jane Wyman and get her autograph. So that was the only reason she took me. There were over 200 little boys and little girls whose moms had cut their hair to look like little boys um, trying out for this part. And lo and behold, I got the part. And mom got her autograph and everything was happy and uh, that led to my second movie. But the first movie was so big with Jane Wyman and Sterling Hayden. My second movie was The Country Girl with Bing Crosby and Grace Kelly. And third movie was um, All Mine to Give and then Back from Eternity with Anita Ekberg and Rod Steiger. And so 10 movies before Lassie. Amazing, amazing. So you did 10 movies before Lassie. But I suppose it was Lassie that everyone will always remember you for. Is that right? Exactly. Uh, Lassie is is the uh, pinnacle, I guess you might say. Um, we were shown at the when Lassie was current in over 126 countries besides the United States, and today, as we speak, Lassie is on in over 50 countries. And I mean, you know, we're talking 50 years ago, we made these and it black and white. And I mean, you know, we're amazed that people uh, uh, continue to enjoy the show. But that just is a real testament to um, the quality of those early shows. Indeed, indeed. Now, you got this part, you got the part of Lassie. What did it mean to you as a little boy? I mean, you obviously were used to acting and everything. Did you realize that this was a major part you were getting at that age? No, not really. Um, because I started at such a young age, 
to me, it was normal. Um, my brother and sister who were older, they would get up in the morning and go to school. My father would get up and uh, go to, uh, to work. And mom and I would get up and go to the studio. And that's just the way it was. So for me, it was normal. Um, and I think one thing that was really, really good on my parents' part, um, as I mentioned, they weren't Hollywood people. So they treated me just like my brother and sister. I had to, you know, clean my room and take the trash out and I got 50 cents allowance. So it wasn't like I was special. They didn't treat me that way. They treated the whole family the same. And I think that was, uh, the best way because you look at, you know, a lot of the kids that are in the business today and, uh, you know, I, I shake my head and I wonder where the where are the parents? You know what's going on? Uh, it's it's a whole different story today, but uh, um, you know, for me it was uh, it was just normal. And and when I would go to work and you know meet people like you know Bob Hope or um, just any number of people, I didn't see them as being on a pedestal either. Mm. I just saw them as people like myself, people that I, you know, I saw them without makeup. I saw them before, you know, <laughs> June Lockhart, right? Um, when she would come to work in the morning, she didn't look like she did on screen. And so, you know, we were sitting together, you know, in the makeup room, getting our makeup. I'm a little kid and they're an adult. So to me, they were just doing the same kind of thing I was doing. And so I didn't, uh, uh, you know, I wasn't in awe, I don't think, of a lot. Of course, there were actors and stuff that I really uh, enjoyed, but yeah, uh, yeah. it was just normal. Well, well uh, tell us then about about your typical day then, or can you remember your first day on the set of Lassie? Can you remember the first, what you had to do right at the very beginning? You know, what was, what was a typical day making Lassie like? Okay, a typical day was uh, we worked. Now, um, we made between 37 and 39 episodes a year where today for a half hour show for today they if they make 12 um they're lucky and so we worked 9 months out of the year i worked 5 days a week 10 hours a day 9 months a year to do lassie the when i say 10 hours a day that was broken down into uh, one hour of transportation to and from the studio, three hours of schooling, um, one hour for recreation, one hour for lunch, and then the uh, rest would actually be filming. Um, all of my schooling was on the studio. Uh, I had a private tutor. Um, when I wasn't filming, I couldn't go to public school because... Uh, the public schools didn't know how to deal with you if you had to leave school for a month to go to a film or something. So uh, it was either private school or a private tutor on the set. And so that was, you know, pretty typical um, for my days working on Lassie. And then the three months that we had off, one of those months was spent touring the country with Lassie. And we would hit all the major markets, um, Chicago, New York, Dallas, wherever, and promote the show. One thing that was really great, Rudd Weatherwax, the owner, um, he was a great guy. And he would insist when we went to a big city, 
if they had a children's hospital, that Lassie and I would go visit the kids. Well, back then, they didn't let dogs in hospitals. <laughs> there was no such thing as a therapy dog or a service dog other than uh, guide dogs for the blind. But they would let Timmy and Lassie in. And, you know, I'm a kid. I'm 9, 10, 11 years old, and I'm seeing kids that have polio. I'm seeing kids that are um, horribly burnt from a fire or in traction from an accident. And it really, really made uh, an incredible impression on me um, just to see these kids. You'd walk in the room, and they were in horrible pain. But Timmy and Lassie walked into their room, and it made them forget where they were and the pain that they were in. And that uh, it really had a, a strong effect on me. Did you think you realized at that time, I've asked this question a little bit earlier on where I said, you know, did you know what you were getting yourself into? But did that make you realize, meeting those kids, make you realize what you were doing and the fact that you were, you know, you were so well known? And, and for most people, anybody who thinks of a, a dog, like Lassie, those kind of those kind of dogs. Everyone thinks of them as Lassie. You know, it sort of it became a mm -hmm. you know it's sort of it, it's funny, isn't it? Because every it is sort of it, it changed people's perception of lots of things around animals and all sorts of things. Oh, it sure did. And uh, it, it's like what you just said was is hit it on the head. Was um, everywhere? You know, if somebody sees a collie, even today, they don't say, "Oh, look at that collie." They say, "Look, it's a Lassie." And that's universal, and so I mean that's that's pretty incredible. But no, we didn't have a clue what we were doing. I mean, when you think about it, in the late fifties, early sixties, there were only three networks: ABC, NBC, CBS. That was it. Now we have two hundred and fifty channels. Um, so uh, you know, it was totally a different different time, and we were the studios were transforming from the big screen to this television. And, you know, they were going through changes. So we were all kind of flying by the seat of our pants. Um, we didn't really know, and nobody realized that we would, um, you know, the shows would still be um, viewed so many, so many years later. So um, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was definitely a growing experience. But no, we really didn't know the impact we were having until later on. This is Distinct Nostalgia by MIM, the home of a regular quiz testing your TV and film knowledge. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Star Trek, so can you ask me some questions on that, please? I absolutely loved Pip Play. Was that presented by Susan Strength? I'd like to have some questions about Coronation Street in the 90s. How would you like to be crowned Distinct Nostalgia Mind of the Month and win a Distinct Nostalgia mug in the process? If you think you could answer random questions on both a chosen subject and if you get to the final TV and film general knowledge, then drop us a message now on the contact page of the Distinct Nostalgia website, distinctnostalgia.com. Staying well, staying home. Let Life Rooms Online help you exercise. So when you're ready, we're going to start with hamstrings. So just push those hips backwards and just let that body hang down. You should feel a nice stretch of your hamstrings. Cook healthily. As you can see, what I've done is I've chopped up some peppers, some onions, tomatoes. Because it's cooked so quickly, it's great. We can do whatever we want. With listening. Alexa, play Distinct Nostalgia. 
tell us about those two guys who were talking about David Ellis and, and the guy who played George Parrish. What were they like to work with? Delightful. <clears throat> quite funny, weren't yes. they? Very wry sense of humour. David <clears throat> was quite shy, wasn't he? Or just talking. Well, the phone service is there ultimately to chat to people. We want them to feel supported. But we can also offer signposting advice as well in lots of different areas. You can call us anytime, Monday to Friday, 9am to 5pm. The number to call us is 0151-478-6556. Life Rooms with Mersey Care NHS Foundation Trust. Find us on YouTube or go to liferooms.org. Staying well, staying home. Now, the thing about Lassie, as I just said before, you know, it's one of the first um, programmes really on TV which focused very much on a real animal. I mean, we had, we had, we had others, didn't we? We had Skippy... Uh, the bush kangaroo, and we've had, mm-hmm. we had all sorts of flipper and mm-hmm. various other ones. But I think Lassie possibly, I'm not correct me if I'm wrong, was probably the first, really, that focused regularly on a real animal. This wasn't a cartoon and all the rest of it. And and there's this old adage that people say, oh, don't work with kids or animals. <laughs> In this instance, he was, a, he was a kid and an animal working together. Tell us a bit about that right. and the fact that you had to have this, because you had to develop a, a, an important bond with this animal, didn't you? Oh, sure. Oh, yeah, exactly. And... Um, that line, you know, don't work with kids or animals, that didn't bother me. But, you know, June Lockhart and Hugh Riley, the adults had to deal with that. Um, but, uh, yeah, last and, – and one thing too, we were the first series. Um, we talked about um, animal rights. We talked about pollution. We, we did shows about the environment. Um, we were the first series – to have a black man on. And when the Campbell Soup was our sponsor, the only sponsor we had for seven years, and they had the rights um, to approve or disapprove of an episode. Well, the writers wrote an episode with Roy Campanella, who was a, a famous baseball player here in the United States, uh, a black man who um, uh, developed... Um, a disability, and they wrote this script, and Camel Soup said, no, no, you can't. We're not having – we had had other ethnics on our show, but not a black man. So they said no, and the their reasoning was, was that it would hurt their sales of soup in the South, and the producers and the directors, they pushed it, and Camel Soup, they backed down and said, okay, you can do the episode – well, the amazing thing was, after that episode aired, their soup sales went up in the <laughs> South, not down. So we proved them wrong. But uh, <laughs> that's excellent. Yeah, so, no, that's. T- tell us a bit about yeah, that, a bit about working with, with with the dog then, because I gather there was three dogs, wasn't there? You actually mm-hmm. worked with overall. Yes, well, I worked. There was one in particular you, with, you were with for a long time. Yes, I worked with three dogs in seven years. We only had one lassie at a time. There weren't four dogs to do different things. It was always just the one. And I worked my first year with the son of the original. Oh, and yes, they were all males, um, so playing females. So Lassie is the oldest cross-dresser in Hollywood. <laughs> but um, the uh, yeah, I, my first year, it was the son of the original. The second year, I worked with his son. And then the third year, I worked with the grandson, and I worked with him for five years. So he was the dog that I really bonded with. I mean, I loved that dog, and he loved me. But 
if I told him to do something, to sit or, you know, shake hands, he would look at me and say, well, I'm your buddy, but I'm not, you're not my trainer. The dogs would only react um, to their trainer, Rudd, or one of his assistants. Um, and it had to be that way so that, you know, they wouldn't be distracted. But no, uh, that last dog, his nickname was Baby. And uh, I just, I loved him. He was the greatest dog. How easy was it to sort of get them to do the things that you needed them to do? I mean, I know that a lot of the the story is, isn't just about the dog. The dog obviously is an essential part of it. But it's important that they're posing in a particular way at particular points, isn't it? All those kind of things matter. Oh, sure. But the, the great part was... Um, the adults made more mistakes than the dog did. <laughs> that The dogs were incredible. I mean, uh, Red Weatherwax had a really special way that he worked and trained with his dogs. Um, and it shows. I mean, the dogs just weren't trained. They were intelligent. They were smart. They knew what they were doing. Fabulous, fabulous. Uh, tell us a little bit about some of the quirks then around these dogs, because obviously, as you say, the three dogs were, were different. They all had different, you know, like any animal, like any human being. We all have different mm-hmm. personalities. There must have been something, was there something special about all of them? Um, oh, yeah. Uh, but like the first dog I worked with, um, his, they, they all had n- nicknames, but when they were working, they were only called Lassie. So once they, quote, I guess, got the job. Um, then they were only called Lassie. But the first dog, uh, his name was the old man. And he was old. I mean, he was a great dog, but he was old. And, you know, he was ready to retire. So he didn't really care about me that much. Um, his son, when his son took over, um, we had an accident on the set. And the dog didn't get hurt. Nobody got hurt. But it spooked him really badly. So Whenever we would be setting up a scene that was similar to that, he would get nervous. And uh, can't have a, a nervous dog and be making films. So Rudd had to replace him with his son. And so I really didn't get to know him that well. But then when his son took over, that was Baby. That was the one that I really, uh, you know, really went with. But I think it was just because we grew up together. He was a puppy when he started, and I was a little kid. And, uh, you know, we just, uh, we learned from each other. Fabulous, fabulous. The stories were, I mean, they were very... I was watching one this afternoon. It's all very a lot of it because there's lots of great music in there and all the rest of it. It's certainly it come from the the days of film in many ways, hasn't it? It's sort of quite melodramatic, weren't they? I mean, what do you think about some of the storylines mm-hmm. that you, you you had to take on? I thought they were great. I mean, you know, I got to work with just about every single animal you can think of. I mean, everything from ostriches to alligators, to, you, you name it. And so for me, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed. We. Sp- filmed 50% um, in the sound studio and then 50% on location. So we were outside a lot and that was great. And, you know, I got to do a lot of great things that um, other kids didn't get to do, but then they got to do things I didn't get to do. So it all balanced out. But, um, you know, the end that, yes, there were days when I didn't want to go to work, but if I wasn't sick or something, you know, you go to work, show goes on. 
Absolutely. What do you think was special about them then? About these about these films? About these well, these this TV series, as it were, went on for, and as you say, it's still going on in many ways because it's repeated all around the world. What was special about it? What do you think it it sort of captured and and, and sort of what was engaging for that audience at that particular time? I think it was mainly the relationship between the boy and the dog. Um, when I first started the series, I had a different set of parents. Um, Cloris Leachman played the first Ruth Martin, and a man by the name of John Shepard played my father, Paul. Um, but for only about a half a season, and Cloris Leachman decided she wasn't going to be baking cookies for six years, so she wanted out of the contract, so they let her go, and then they had to let uh, John Shepard go. And then the next week, so when people were watching the series, one weekend it was those parents, and the next weekend it was June Lockhart and Hugh Riley, and the studio didn't even get one letter because people didn't care. All people cared about was the kid and the dog. Amazing, isn't it? Amazing. And I think that's what, you know, that's, and, and like I said earlier, um, I've gotten many, many, many um, uh, letters and, and emails um, from fans that uh, said, you know, I grew up in New York City, and I never saw a tree. And so I used to escape when I was a kid watching Lassie. And uh, I think, you know, all of that had to uh, had the appeal that made Lassie so uh, successful. Exactly. It was about adventures, wasn't it? It was about having adventures and, and, and imagining oh, adventures with, little, with, with animals, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, but everything always turned out okay in the end. Yes. Um, you know, it was, it was, there were some pretty trying things, but uh, everything worked out. And what did other kids think of you? What, I mean, did you have some friends that you got to know? Did they? What did they think of it? What did oh, they sure. think of you were doing this? Well, I had you know my couple of normal buddies that weren't in the business that lived you know in in the neighborhood, and you know they just thought I well they knew what I did, but they just thought I was a regular kid. And then I also grew up with a lot of other child actors uh, from that same era. You know, kids like Jay North, who was Dennis the Menace, and. Um, uh, Stan and Barry Livingston, who were on My Three Sons, and we actually filmed on the same lot. Um, so, you know, I had friends that were in the business and friends that weren't. But it was sometimes difficult that uh, on a weekend, for instance, if my buddies and I wanted to go to a matinee, um, we would go. And yeah, I'm 10, 12 years old. And the other kids would say, well, wait a minute, you're Timmy. I mean, you know, they would see me every Sunday night, but now I'm here in the matinee like they are. And it was, so that was difficult sometimes. But then again, we didn't have the paparazzi. You know, you could go out, you weren't assaulted, you know, you didn't have cameras in your face all the time. But yeah, that happened once in a while. Well, how did that feel then as a little boy to be, did you realize then that you were famous? Did, did that sort of dawn on you, that point that, you know, you you weren't the kind of person who was going to be able to, at that particular age, be able to walk the streets and people just yeah, everyone would stare at you because they'd know exactly where you were, what you what you were doing. You know, it was just part of it. It was just, you know, it, it's part of the the baggage that came with the job. Um, but uh, but like I said, people weren't as uh, invasive and abusive as they are today. Mm. You know, why did you give it up? Why did you Why did you leave Lassie? What was the reason for leaving Lassie? The last, the last after Lassie, I quit. I quit Lassie when I was fourteen because I was tired. They wanted to go on for three more years. The studio, 
But I had done seven, and I said, you know, I'm tired of being Timmy. I was 14. I was going through puberty. I was, you know, looking at girls, and I was tired of the dogs. So it was time to move on. So um, my parents were good enough to let me get out of the contract, and I still wanted to act. So I did um, a little more television. I actually had a small recurring role with Mr. Ed. So I went from the smartest dog to the smartest horse, <laughs> you know. And then three more movies. Um, uh, this Property is Condemned with Robert Redford and Natalie Wood. And, uh, my last movie was with Kurt Russell for Walt Disney called The Computer Wore Tennis Shoes. And this was in 1968. I had just turned 18, graduated from high school. And I said, you know, I've been working 15 years. Uh, it's time for a break. <laughs> so that's that's really, that was it. And so that's when I, I could have stayed. I could have worked a lot more, but I needed a break. So that's when I left um, Hollywood. I moved to Northern California where I live now. And I went to college here. It's one reason I moved up here to go to college. And uh, I loved it. And I said, this is where I want to raise my kids. And have you, any of your kids followed in your footsteps? Has any of them decided to go into acting or do any acting at all? Not at all. They could they could care less. <laughs> <laughs> so looking back on it then, obviously that was a you know very intensive period. Obviously you don't necessarily realize that as a kid. Um, but you were, as you say, you were acting for a long, long time, um, an intensive time. You, you didn't do the things that other kids did, but as you say, you got thing, extra things out of it that other kids wouldn't have got out of their mm -hmm. lives or whatever. So... How important is that period in your life to you now? I mean, obviously, you're still doing interviews. So I'm, I'm interviewing you now about this. It's obviously been a, 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 a defining part of your life. Oh, for sure. And it will always be. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, you know, I, ha I have a web website. It's just my name, johnprovost.com. And I get uh, emails from all over the world. Um as a matter of fact, I was just um, in Stuttgart, Germany, doing a a, a Comic Con uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, and uh, so I do a lot of shows like that, a lot of autograph shows around the country. And now, because of the popularity of Lassie um, in European countries and possibly Asia, who knows? But uh, it just goes on, and it's uh, it's a great feeling because. Nobody has ever come up to me and said they hated Lassie. <laughs> yeah, it's not something you can hate, really, is it? Spending so much time with all those animals has given you a lifelong love of animals, hasn't it? And you've you, you've carried on supporting oh, yes. animals, haven't you? Oh, yes. Um, I do a lot of fundraising for no-kill animal shelters here in the States. And um, I was involved, uh, well, I was on the Board of Governors for an organization uh, for 25 years called Canine Companions for Independence. And they supply service dogs to people that have uh, disabilities other than blindness and um, at free of charge. A great organization founded here in Santa Rosa, where I live in Northern California. So uh, I've always been a big supporter and a lover of uh, animals and especially dogs. And that must have come from those days working with the animals oh, on Lassie, sure. I'm sure. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> Obviously, Lassie's being shown around the world and people still enjoying it. But do you think it's the kind of thing that would still work today if it was being 
if if you were starting if we were starting out with something like Lassie today, is it the kind of thing that would work today, or do you think the world has has moved on? I th- I think it would. I think people are gravitating more towards the family values and and wholesome. I mean, I'm sorry, but there really is no good family show on television now. Um, you know, and and it's something that I think that uh, that people would definitely enjoy. And when I'm at an event, um, you know, uh, people come up and say, "Gosh, I wish we had shows like that today." Distinct Nostalgia is produced by MIM, and coming soon, we catch up with the cast of Juliet Bravo's Big Rival. London Weekend Television launched The Gentle Touch in the same year. Again, a woman, Jill Gascoigne, was cast in the lead role, but the ITV series was about a detective, a much grittier than Juliet Bravo. She was a leader. She didn't have to follow what the men said and what the men did. Because it was said in London, it had more action and more boom, 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 boom. Da, 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 da. So that's The Great Gentle Touch Reunion, coming soon only to Distinct Nostalgia. And don't forget, you can get all Distinct Nostalgia programmes all in one place by logging on to the Distinct Nostalgia player at distinctnostalgia.com. We've loads of gems to come, including drama, comedy, and of course the Distinct Nostalgia Mind of the Month quiz. If you want to get in touch, you can contact us via the website, on Twitter at distinct underscore by MIM, or by emailing info at madeinmanchester.tv. See you soon. Distinct Nostalgia is brought to you in partnership with Life Rooms and Mersey Care NHS Foundation Trust. We've lots of activities for you to do at home at liferooms.org. Staying well, staying home.